Hi, welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. It is Tuesday, November 22nd, and I'm Jessica Steinberg. I'm joined today by U.S. reporter Luke Tress and Tech Israel editor Ricky Ben-David, who is actually having her last podcast hurrah as tech editor. Hi, Ricky. Hi, Luke. Hey, Jess. Hey, Luke. Hi, Jessica. We're going to talk today about self-driving public bus systems in Israel, a terror threat in New York City's Penn Station, Israeli offices, new Israeli offices opening up in the United Arab Emirates, and the Chabad Emissaries Convention. We will discuss all of that right after the break. A scrappy army fighting three enemies. An unlikely victory and a country forever changed. Join host Dr. Noam Weissman for a special Unpacking Israeli History mini-series where he shares the story of the Six-Day War as you've never heard it before. Travel back to 1967 as Noam recounts the tense lead-up to war, the fierce battles fought, and the aftermath that continues to affect Israel to this day. But what led to this war? How did Israel emerge victorious? And how have the outcomes impacted Israel's position in the region and the world between then and now? Unpack the six days that changed Israel forever in this three-part special of Unpacking Israeli History. Listen to these episodes and more wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Uh, Ricky, it looks like self-driving public buses are in our future, and we're not saying goodbye to Eged, I'm assuming. Not at all. In fact, Eged is very much a part of this plan. The goal of this new initiative, which we'll be rolling out in the next few months, is to consider the viability of integrating autonomous buses and shuttles into the existing public transportation systems in Israel, which we have already established has many, many issues. Israel's uh, transportation infrastructure has lagged significantly behind other OECD countries and big ambitious projects like the Plan Metro have had a rough time uh, getting off the ground, not only because of uh, political, uh, political reasons. The country has some of the worst traffic congestion and as we experience every day, and initiatives that encourage more use of public transportation have been have been mixed over the years. So this particular initiative we're talking about is meant to address some of these issues, but it'll take some time. This two-year pilot led by the Ministry of Transportation and Road Safety and the Israel Innovation Authority will examine things like the business aspects of running something like this, the operational viability, the safety, logistics, and of course, the costs. Half the budget is assumed by, by Israel, by the Israel Innovation Authority, and then the companies are also funding part of it as an incentive to keep going. They will also look at advancing the right regulation, the country will, to promote additional initiatives like this as part of a wider plan with a 61 million shekel budget for more autonomous uh, public transportation in Israel. So for this initiative, we have four consortiums of public transportation companies and tech startups in Israel and abroad. Uh, they're getting this off the ground. What is interesting about this is that they seem to want to cover all the regions. So we have groups led by Eged, which has the largest transportation, the largest network of inner city routes, and Dan, which operates in the Gushdan area, along with Metropoline, which is in the south, 
and uh, Native Express, which is based in the north, and they run uh, bus routes there. And each of them will be working with several tech companies from Israel and from abroad, including uh, France, Turkey, Norway, and the U.S., to begin piloting these autonomous buses. In the first phase, uh, the groups will operate in closed contained sites and then slowly progress to to running these routes in the on public roads over the course of the of the two years. And the groups that successfully implement and complete the pilot will be offered contracts to expand their services and run these specific operations across Israel. So there's high hopes for this project. What do these self-driving buses do that really so that will have such an effect on the horrific traffic situation that we have in the country? Right. So the the stated goal is is kind of lofty, right? It's it's going to take more than this to to alleviate some of these issues, but. But the idea is to offer just a better customer or a better user experience, if you will, like borrowing some terms from the tech industry, just a better a better experience and also addressing a, a, a minor goal is to address the shortage of drivers that we have in Israel as well. Got it. Okay. So basically, we're looking at something that is way down the line. Hope springs eternal. Thanks, Ricky. Luke. You were reporting on a story of what seems to be an anti-Semitic terror attack in Penn Station, the hub for the Long Island Railroad, for New Jersey Transit and Amtrak. Any more information about this attack, whether it was definitely anti-Semitic in nature? Yeah, so um, late, late Friday night, around midnight, the police in Penn Station picked up two guys. The threat wasn't in Penn Station, but they were caught there coming into the city. Uh, one of them had tweeted um, a bunch of hate content, including something about shooting up a synagogue and, and other anti-Semitic stuff. The police found on them, they found a large hunting knife. And then in a follow-up investigation, they found an illegal pistol in a 30-round uh, magazine. And a Nazi armband was with the weapons. So it it was not an idle threat. It was a serious threat to the Jewish community. Like, but he he had tweeted other hate content, but it appeared that he was targeting the Jewish community in this attack, um, this planned attack. Uh, he wasn't threatening a specific synagogue, but it was kind of a general threat to Jewish communities. So he, he and one other person were arrested, turned over to the FBI. The police said Saturday that everything was clear. Now, in response, the governor is stepping up Jewish protection at synagogues and Jewish sites around the state, at least through Hanukkah. Uh, the mayor gave a press conference today and said, like, this was a very serious threat. This was not an idle threat. The main suspect does appear to have schizophrenia or some kind of mental health problems. But this was this was a very serious, violent threat. He was armed with an illegal gun, a lot of ammunition. What was really different about this threat as opposed to other anti-Semitic threats that you've reported on recently in the New York area? So this this was a white supremacist threat. Um, there hasn't been too much white supremacist threats against the Jewish community in this area recently. But what this illustrates is that there's really threats to the Jewish community coming from all angles. So earlier this month in New Jersey, right across the river, an Islamist uh, sympathizer or extremist um, was threatening synagogues online also. This was about two weeks ago. All the synagogues in New Jersey were put on alert. Also also in New York, they were put on alert. So you have these guys on the far right. This other person is an Islamist person. Um, earlier this year, someone went on a rampage in New Jersey, critically injured some Jewish people. They all survived, thankfully. But And that, that person didn't even appear to have any ideology. 
yes, yesterday in uh, Brooklyn, a big group of Black Hebrew Israelites, which is an anti-Semitic group, held a big march in the city. They were chanting. It sounded like we are the real Jews. So there's just these threats coming from all all different directions, like left, right, Islamist, white supremacist, all all kind of swirling around the Jewish community in this area at this time. And there have been deadly attacks before. There was Muncie in 2019. Someone killed a person in a rabbi's home. Around the same time, two black Hebrew Israelite shooters shot up a kosher grocery in New Jersey. And so these these two recent threats were both caught beforehand because they posted about it online. But it seems like sooner or later, there's a good chance someone will get through and do some deadly attack. And 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 so this is against the backdrop. There's just a lot of anti-Semitic incidents in New York City recently. Most of them are not deadly or, or severely violent. Some are pretty violent, but they're most kind of like harassment, small assaults, stuff like this. So there's this, this kind of stream of minor incidents happening almost every day. Something gets reported. Last month, there were 20 reported um, anti-Jewish hate crimes in New York City, and many more probably don't get reported. So there's just this kind of background of like constant small, small anti-Semitic incidents happening. And then now these these big threats have been popping up um, to this month. And then this this attack in Lakewood, New Jersey earlier this year. Okay. All right. Thanks for that, Luke. We're going to take a quick break. When we're back, Ricky will tell us about Israeli offices in the United Arab Emirates. With what seems like an endless amount of information at our fingertips, we tend to forget that wondering about things is really part of the journey to finding answers we're looking for. So when it comes to the hot topics of Israel, Judaism, and Zionism, there's so much to wonder about right now that it's hard to know where to turn. Enter the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked, Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Biton and Noam Weissman as they tackle these topics and the uncomfortable questions that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. And tune in for a special episode featuring a fellow wanderer, Chaviv Retigur, out now. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. Subscribe to Wandering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wandering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Okay, so we're back. Ricky, I know that these are not the first, but they are the latest in a growing list, correct, in the UAE? Who do we have uh, this week? Right, correct. So late last week, we reported that two Israeli companies, big ones, will be opening new offices in the United Arab Emirates as part of a government-funded innovation program. We're talking about investment firms Our Crowd and Liquidity Capital, which also developed its own tech to lead investment decisions. They are taking part in a $545 million government incentive program to pull in global companies, companies from across the world in sectors like ag tech, IT, health tech, and fintech, and offer them the opportunity to expand their intellectual property in the UAE and work on regional solutions first and then expand 
internationally. So this program offers funding and logistical support for companies to open or expand local offices, and both our crowd and liquidity capital will be opening up uh, tech hubs and offices in Abu Dhabi. In our crowd's case, it's expanding its existing operations there. And they will be joining 40 companies worldwide that have participated in this government program in the UAE since the launch of the of the program in 2020. Both our crowd and liquidity have had a respective presence in the Emirati capital. Soon after the Abraham Accords were signed in 2020, our crowd opened an office, recruited a local head of operations, and has been active in getting joint initiatives off the ground. And liquidity capital that same year had, has been active in the UAE and set up a $100 million debt investment fund with a Dubai-based company. So there's a, there's a lot going on here um, in terms of Israel-UAE ties. Just this Monday, Israel's largest hospital, the Sheba Medical Center, said it signed a deal to develop uh, health technologies alongside scientists in the UAE, as our colleague Nathan Jaffe reported on Monday. And all this comes amid a global downturn. We see economic turbulence in the tech sector, the mass layoffs in the tech industry, including, of course, in Israel, and the hard times ahead, which will shape the tech and business coverage over the next year. Do we have a sense of how many people are staffing these offices? How many like Israelis are... Are in Abu Dhabi right now? Their local operations are are very much led by uh, by Emiratis, uh, by, by staff that that's on the ground, and then uh, they welcome the Israelis as well. So, I think with Liquidity Capital, I think they mentioned something about a dozen people there. Our crowd, it's also an ongoing operation. It remains to be seen, like how much back and forth uh, these people are going to do. Right. At least it's a shorter flight than you know to Silicon Valley. Absolutely. Okay, thanks for that, Ricky. And finally, Luke, you have a piece about the Shluchim Convention. Shluchim is the common pronunciation of Shlichim, uh, the term used for Chabad ultra-Orthodox emissaries. Tell us about that. What was that like? So the Chabad Hasidic movement, they're, they're based in Brooklyn and Crown Heights. And uh, as I'm sure most of our listeners know, they're very involved in Jewish outreach to all Jewish people, not necessarily Hasidic outreach, but really reaching out to Jewish people everywhere. And part of that strategy is sending these shluchim, these emissaries to all different areas, all across the U.S., college campuses, and countries around the world. So this week in New York, they have an annual convention for all the shluchim from around the world to come to New York. It was canceled for the last two years because of COVID. So they did it this week. So it was kind of a big homecoming event for everyone. There was over 5,600 rabbis in attendance. So the shluchim, they they go out as couples, um, husband and wife. They go to these places. They set up a, a Chabad center there for Jews or traveling Jews to, to, to come to and have a place. So thousands of them in New York uh, connecting with each other, kind of, it's kind of like a networking event for them to connect. Last night, they had their big convention, which is kind of the culmination of this week. So there's over 6,000 people in this big convention center in New Jersey. Um, some speakers, some some videos, lots of music. They, uh, they dedicated 36 new Torah scrolls at once for communities that don't have Torah scrolls, which they, they, said, was, they said was the most uh, Torah scrolls ever finished at once. <laughs> so 36, 36 scribes finishing them at once. And, and 36 is um, as a multiple of 18. It's an auspicious number in Judaism. 
the chief rabbi, uh, Ashkenazi rabbi of, of Israel, David Lau, spoke there. He said some stuff that uh, liberal Jews aren't going to be happy about. He said he wants to get rid of the um, the grandchild clause in the law of return, which um, the right the right wing is wants to do in Israel to kind of move Israel to more um, to un, like Torah law, logically Jewish um, law. And some he expressed some opposition to conversions. Um, the Ukraine war was another big topic. So the the Rebbe of the Chabad movement is from what is now Ukraine, and they've they they kind of after the Soviet Union fell, they they were kind of key to um, reestablishing Jewish life in in Eastern Europe. So there's I think 177 Chabad couples operating in Ukraine, and they've they've been really instrumental for the Jewish community in um, responding to the war. And then there's also um, Chabad couples in Russia who have been coming under pressure recently. So there were um, emissaries from both Ukraine and Russia there last night. Some of them were featured speakers. And um, it, was a, it was a dinner, speeches, music, and then at the end it was just a huge party. Separate dancing. This was all men at this event. Of course, there was heavy security also because of these threats that we were talking about before. But we there was no like feeling of tension there. It was just a very big kind of gathering and celebration mostly for all these shluchim from around the world. Thanks, Luke. And thanks, Ricky, for being on today's Daily Briefing. Ricky, do you want to say something before we close out? Yes, Jessica, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, working with you and being with you and Amanda on the podcast and everyone else and updating our readers and listeners on what's been happening in the tech beat. We have the wonderful Sharon Rebel who joined us this week and is a great addition to our TOI team and whose work I'm certain our readers will enjoy. And we will obviously feature her on the daily briefing as well. So thank you for that, Ricky. In the meantime, good luck with your new responsibilities and uh, we will be back tomorrow with another daily briefing. So in the meantime, happy listening. Have yourselves a good day. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. And thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein, and to Gili Amar for this out-of-this-world music. You can find us daily wherever you find your podcasts. And on our mothership, timesofisrael.com. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. And be sure to check out our weekly feature, Times Will Tell, released every Friday. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.